You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the news and observer political podcast. I'm Don Vaughn here with Will Doran, Colin Campbell, Lucille Sherman, and Danielle Battaglia. And today we're talking about vetoes and overrides, and it's sometimes more complicated than we think, others might think, sometimes simpler, it's usually entertaining in a political theater sense. Um, So the reason we're talking about this now is because there was something on the calendar this week and then it wasn't. So Lucille, you were in the House chamber, Danielle, you were in the House chamber, tell us what happened. Yeah, so House Bill 536 um, was vetoed by Cooper last Friday? Two Fridays ago? It's past Friday. Yes, right when I was getting my car to leave for the weekend. Yes. Thank you for Time has no meaning anymore. Um, (laughs) So on Wednesday, the House was scheduled to take it up? Is Mm -hmm. that right? It was Wednesday. All right. Sorry for my lack of knowledge about dates. Um, and I had to think when John wasn't there. <laughs> That's my only knowledge. So um, all House, everyone in the House had to be present for this veto override. And well, they didn't have to. They didn't yeah. have to, but if they wanted to vote, they couldn't vote by proxy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this was an issue with the. Like, they've got these rules where they vote by proxy, so they're basically telling the majority or minority leader which way they want to vote and so they can just sit and watch the whole thing on Zoom or whatever. So a lot of Um, people haven't been there. Yeah, I mean there's some Democrats who apparently have not set foot in that building since the session started in late April and they've been participating the whole time Mm -hmm. Uh, but apparently under the state constitution for a veto override the bar is a little higher they can't change the rules or so they say Mm -hmm. so that meant you want to vote, you gotta show up. And Speaker Moore said that twice was it Monday, I think Monday and Tuesday he had mentioned it, yeah, that that the vote was going to be Wednesday, was going to be Wednesday (laughs) So it was a full house, which I think is so funny because it was the house and it was full. And it was yeah. <laughs> was Bob Saget there? Um, <laughs> anyway, and more immediately, there were quite a few items on the calendar, and more immediately said, we're moving this to committee and we're not taking this up. Um, and that was pretty much it. So I was sort of like, oh, I have pre-written a story and was prepared for this to be like my whole day. And did I hear that right? It's over. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at Lucille and said, did I hear that right? What just happened? But what he said on the tail end of that was House Bill 594, which is now the same bill, but has the added provision of reopening gyms too. Um, they're just going to basically battle it out with that bill instead. And that bill passed the House and Senate this past week and will go to the governor's desk. So he has 10 days to sign it as of Wednesday. So we got a heads up about that, right? So like Lucille and I went to um, Senator Gunn's press conference. Was that Monday, I guess, or Tuesday? Monday. Again, yeah. all the days were together where he said he was going to roll the bars, the vetoed bars bill into the gym bill and then add a little extra something because, you know, everyone's a politician with concurrence from the Council of State, which is its all its own like side drama um, ongoing. So what um, so that was it, I guess, and like that did what was the reaction or there was no reaction you guys were telling me about from the Democrats. They they I don't know if you caught it, I found it really funny right after that. I think it was Speaker Moore, I could be wrong on that, was like Y'all can vote by proxy for the rest of the meeting, so you don't have to be here anymore. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, Did much of them leave? I no. It, I yeah. I was. It was say, even I, full on Thursday too. 
I think, like, probably because they're scared it was going to come back, but I felt like one or two left, but they mostly stayed there. Did the butler say anything? Nobody talked. Like, it was... Nobody said anything. Yeah. It was, like, 15 to 20 minutes of chatter. Yeah. And me kind of wondering what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then they just moved on. And then I sat there for three hours before they took up mm-hmm. House Bill 590. There, there was certainly some angst among Democrats who didn't want to have come down there who hadn't. So yeah. I was watching a yet another WebEx committee meeting fail on Thursday uh, where uh, the two or three of the, the House members who were on the WebEx did not realize that their entire conversation was being broadcast to the committee room <laughs> with the faces on big screens. And uh, Representative Jean Farmer-Butterfield was saying she really didn't feel comfortable on the House floor, but was concerned that she'd had to go there at all because she's been trying really hard to like keep herself healthy. She's, an, I think, an older uh, member of the legislature, so someone who's really tried to do everything remotely as much as possible. Is, was that Jason Sain's meeting? Because I feel like his meetings are the ones that get a little uh, rowdier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was, you know, the, his quote of the day in Today's Insider was, uh, we're like having a meeting here because apparently like the people in the WebEx did not realize the meeting had started, so Representative Fraley was trying to present this budget bill, and you hear like two of the lawmakers be like, so how's your weekend? You got any good plans this weekend? <laughs> Do they have any good plans for the weekend? I no. assume they're all staying inside. Yeah, well, I did hear an elevator conversation about several of them talking about a trip to the beach to go see Bill Rabin, the... Uh, how Senate Rules Chairman from Southport, so, you know, <laughs> where they're headed. I do like the behind-the-scenes chatter you hear being in the building. Yeah, or I'm, I'm even on WebEx. It. Or, like, I don't even know what Speaker Moore said yesterday on the mic, but he was like, oh, I totally forgot I'm on the mic yeah, right now. I should have said a, that. That place has a great history of hot mics. Like, I remember the, the time that, um, the, I think it was under Speaker Tom Tillis that, um, the caucus meeting was live streamed directly to the press room and no one realized it. So the press started oh, listening yeah. in and heard some like <laughs> really like spicy comments. And uh, after that, they cut the wires between the uh, committee rooms and the press room. As we have learned, caucus meetings, yeah. <laughs> not what happens in caucus does not always stay in caucus. <laughs> <laughs> it gets out sometimes for, for better or for worse or litigation. <laughs> <laughs> So with the override, this was what, summer uh, 2020 with the, the fake out uh, not actually holding the override vote reminds me of summer 2019 yeah. with the fake out budget override vote that lasted all the way until past Labor Day into September where everybody knows that um, when the vote was held. I was almost wondering if that would happen with this because, you know, with the, the proxy vote situation, it really was going to be a matter of how many Democrats cared enough about this bill and cared enough about supporting the governor's position to sort of end their streak of not showing up to this crowded building? Um, and I guess in the end, they, enough did that Speaker Moore decided not to call the vote. Um, but it was still, it was the same thing that he was doing all of 2019, was looking out into the room, I think, and seeing how many people are there, counting numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, because he said all of 2019, like, as soon as I have the moment where enough of you people don't show up, I'm calling the vote. Right. Um, and then, of course, there was the whole controversy over whether he told them that they didn't have to be there. That, that would have been night. Lewis, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Controversy. I do have yeah, one question. Times. So could he have canceled the vote Tuesday or Monday? Or did, for some reason, procedurally, he have to wait until Wednesday to cancel it? He could have announced it. Uh, he can't pull it off the calendar, I don't think, when they're out of session, but he can certainly make an announcement that he intends to. Um, and mm-hmm. for what it's worth, too, they don't have to calendar the veto override at all. So a lot of times if they come out of a veto and they realize they don't have the votes, they'll do what they eventually did with this one, was send it to the Rules Committee and just essentially leave it there with the idea that they like, procedurally they could bring it back up, but you know they don't feel like it's worth actually putting it on the calendar and trying to really take a vote. 
You yeah. have to give in the Senate. You have to give notice because I remember, like after the House, we waited forever to see if the Senate budget, you know, override was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I think both chambers have a twenty-four hour rule. It was like Raven. Yeah, Raven would have to tell Blue, and mm-hmm. so that was on. And then yeah, and that still doesn't mean they're actually going to take the vote, but they can't throw it in the calendar last minute if they haven't given notice. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting that it sort of just disappeared from the calendar, and then everyone was like. Moved on with their lives. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? I guess. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. But I guess it could be. I was wondering. I had two stories pre-written. One for the override of House Bill Five Thirty Six, which I had written that story like they were going to override it and it would go to the Senate, and then one for House Bill Five Ninety Four, which I assumed would pass and go to the governor, and only half of me was right. But it is really interesting that they sort of have a backup plan and have had a backup plan for both of those bills. Um, if the override didn't go through or something like that, they sort of have two things that they're relying but on. But the override only is because a supermajority is required, you have to have Democrats. Yep. And only in the House, though. They no, you have to, to have Democrats in both. Yeah, unless you have enough absences yeah. to get away with not having them. But Unless people are gone. It's whoever's in the room. But if everybody's in the room... Um, you have to have Democrats both in the House and Senate because they have majorities but not super majorities. Right, right. So, but it's a smaller number. You can play with the numbers easier in the Senate if people are missing versus, I mean, it kind of, yeah, again, like it kind of depends since like there's, there's a large number. Play with the numbers makes me so squirmy in politics. <laughs> Wait, is it? Is <laughs> they actually it, have a chart. I think somebody, maybe it was the majority leader in the House had shown it to us once with exactly how many, like, depending on how many people are there, how many people you, votes you need. So yeah. you can actually do a count in the room at, in the moment and know, oh. okay, I have X number of people here. I had, like, a printout, like, of this PDF of, like, everybody, like, last summer that I would look at and think about, like, who was here and not and the numbers and then would still want someone to, like, check behind me, especially with the Senate. And, like, who was absent and then who was sick, so you knew that number changed and then, you know, how it, how it would or wouldn't. But I don't think that... Because these weren't clean bills, as they say, they had something in there that, uh, you know, the Democratic governor doesn't like, then it, it's a harder, it's harder to convince Democrats to vote for it, to override, you know. Well, and what's really interesting is that with House Bill 536, when that came up in the Senate first, um, two weeks ago, it passed in the Senate with all but five votes from Democrats. But then in the middle of the day, Cooper, in his presser, talked about how he didn't approve of the bill Mm -hmm. and pretty much indicated he wouldn't sign it. And the House voted on it later in the day after his presser, and it did not. It was much more split along party lines. And so we knew that that would happen sort of again with House Bill 594, but this was supposed to include a safety switch that would make Democrats happier, but... It no, did not. It, it, what the you're talking about the council of state? That wasn't a safety. That was yeah. God knowing exactly <laughs> what he was doing, though. Totally, and it was a safety switch. What they? I mean, it was a good political move. I think we can all like admit that. Yeah. That Cooper wanted to be able to have you know, depending on states of emergency and everything. So they're like, fine, we'll give you that. But you've got to get the rest of the Republican majority council of state, and yeah. we already know that you don't yeah. like doing well, that. Yeah. And by the way, the lieutenant governor is running against you this fall, so yeah. I mean, that turned out to be the major like know. Democratic talking point. Is like yeah. we don't want to cede this authority to Dan Forrest because he might be the deciding vote if it has to go back before. Well, the Well, it's hard because I was I heard some of the audio where Wiley Nickel was like talking about how he doesn't. Or when he thought about Forrest making yeah, a decision. He trusts, so, he trusts Bill Berger that, more than Forrest. What was that debate like? They got saucy in that <laughs> it was. It was, 
I haven't. It was really fun. Other than the <laughs> fact that, like, you know, lives and businesses and livelihoods are at stake, it was a really intense debate and yeah. reminded me why I love covering politics. But yeah, it was a lot of gun got really everyone got really mad at one point and gun was like mm-hmm. i did this for democrats like monologuing and it yeah. was just it was pretty insane it was it was it was an interesting evening yeah. did it go really is that everything's running together in my head is that the one that went super long and i yes. thought i was going to be out my like chart, five my yeah, everyone had to speak died. about it everyone had to yell about it i mean there was there was a lot of yelling in the chamber I was, eyes yelled who else yelled that really surprised us oh bob steinberg was cussing and got chastised by Berger for saying he, damn wait, yeah Heiss yelled <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heiss Heiss guy, yelling. yelling. gun got pretty emotional and he's usually a pretty chill dude so yeah yeah it was pretty I so <laughs> I don't have a partisan bone in my body, is the thing I've heard Gunn say, probably. Says a Republican. Oh, they all do. Come on. <laughs> Who are they fooling? I mean, Every on. time he presents one of these bar reopening-related bills, he says, I don't have a partisan bone in my body. Then why why are you even a party, then? Why yeah. not just run as an yeah, affiliate? Like you want to be an You can't win that way, Don. <laughs> are you saying money is part of politics? <laughs> so then whenever... The debate went on forever. Gunn was super pissed and got up and was like, I told you guys I didn't have a partisan bone in my body, but you've made this partisan. And it was just, yeah, it was fun. Senator Berger scared me twice because he yelled about the, you know, decorum, don't cuss. And then he yelled at somebody else. Oh, it was Dan Blue for talking about bills that he wanted uh, in his his personal privilege, which apparently is a no-no. Yeah, Yeah, personal privilege or only for anniversaries, birthdays. Random history (laughs) lessons. Oh, music. (laughs) Oh, someone on the House floor yesterday, it was his wedding anniversary, and he talked about it. Or no, on Wednesday. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who it was, but it was very cute, and everyone stood up and clapped. I love points of personal privilege. <laughs> it's super cute. I thought yes, I it because John's son turned twelve yesterday. Twelve. That's my I, yeah. Point of personal privilege. Shout so, out to my son Glenn. He's twelve now. <laughs> but uh, Neil Chaudhary was yeah. on the floor because it was his, no Neil. Chaudhary. Oh, J- oh, Chaudhary's son. Yeah, oh. he turned nine yesterday, and. Oh. Wanted to spend it on the Senate floor, and I was like, "Where's Glenn? Why is he like Glenn? Do you want to come to the legislative building and be like, what? No. no. Can, I, can I bring Nerf guns? Yeah, you can bring Nerf guns. I kind of yes. sense there was more to the story with Neil. Like they needed needed him to be with a parent yesterday. <laughs> they said he wanted to spend. I like it, it when the kids show up. I know. Like, you know, Jason Sane brought his son. Yeah, yeah like, Jeff Jackson's son was there just like yeah, Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. And, and I mean, that's the thing with points of personal privilege is it yeah. shows that. And I think it's good for them because they they have to work together to like where yeah they're arguing about a bill yeah. but then they can say you know happy anniversary and yeah. happy birthday yeah. to each other and stuff. It's just a reminder, sort of like the beginning is like the um, you know the prayer of you know depending on someone's faith or no faith or but just like the general like let's look ahead to this and it's sort of like the wrap up of like, you know we can relax. I did notice whose birthday was this week. Um, Mushtaba uh, Muhammad, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't it Wiley Nickel who threw that back in his face the next day as he was saying something? Like it was kind of yes. weird. Oh yeah, he brought it up in the in the debate for House Bill Five Ninety Four. I can't remember why. But yeah, but anyway. it was like kind of. He's like, 
he's like, I recognize your birthday was yesterday, but it was almost like, let me teach you a lesson or something. Like, I, and I'm really misquoting this, but like, there was some underlining, like, I was like, oh, I don't think that We're was nice. ages, I think, right? Because isn't he younger? Yeah, Muhammad's been in his mid-30s, I think. And yeah. he has three kids. Yeah. That came up somehow, too. Yeah. Oh, because it yeah. was the baby's first crawl was during his birthday. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Good times. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Yeah, so let's go back to one thing we want to talk about with vetoes and overrides is, uh, Colin, tell us about this veto garage that now federal senator Tillis. Yeah, when, when Tom Tillis was Speaker of the House, he yeah. had this thing that was called the veto garage where he would just kind of keep it on the calendar or put it in a position where he could bring up a veto when he had the right number of votes. And it succeeded a couple times. Um, to be able to override the governor. I think this is when Purdue was governor, so there was a fair number of um, veto moments uh, where she was against the the Republican legislature. So Tim Moore has learned well from that, I think, um, and that's why you've seen some of this. And honestly, I'm a little surprised that we're not, that you know he's, he's agreed to essentially let this particular veto rest for now if we get a veto on the new version of the bars and gyms bill and they decide to take that up like maybe that's going to be one where you wait a while um and you know if they do it now it's going to become even more contentious i think because so many of the democrats have chosen to stay home and participate remotely so if you're forcing them to come to the floor every day like they did last year um it's a whole nother can of worms for sort of party unity uh which will be interesting because i mean we're i guess the big question now is do we have you know, some degree of party unity going forward, aside from the, you know, let's debate reopening stuff. I mean, the the RNC bill was dropped this week, the bill that would have essentially allowed the RNC to continue in Charlotte with a full capacity arena is the planning move to being Jacksonville for that. Um, that bill was, was killed without even really getting a hearing in the first place. Um, we may be hitting a stalemate point over these pieces of legislation to reopen certain things and then you know going back to the budget that was the big sticking point last year what's Mm -hmm. been interesting to me is that they've gone they've continued this mini budget process um and there's been very little disagreement over these efforts to essentially like fund essential things by raiding like other pots of money like the film grant fund is getting pulled to and the bus cover something fund, else. So the school right. bus replacement fund is one they're pull, pulling stuff on from. The aquatic weed fund, which I learned the other day, is actually a thing. They're taking some money from that to fund some other stuff. Is that related to the farm bill? Yeah. <laughs> farm bill is another one that we're waiting. That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I got we are it. waiting for we'll a veto. I got it. <laughs> we, are, well, we are waiting for a uh, veto or signing on the farm bill, and a lot of environmental groups have come out with, against some of the hog farm related provisions on that over you know environmental concerns so that's one to watch for another one to watch for on the budget side is the bill that came out in the senate this week to do teacher bonuses instead of raises so instead of getting a raise if you're a teacher you would get like 350 dollars um and then there's a provision in there that encourages the governor to use federal coronavirus money to do another bonus on top of that but cooper apparently says the guidelines don't allow him to do that so i think that's Last That's a partisan fight brewing because, I mean, teacher raises with so much of the battle over the budget. Well, the federal game. money, like Brian Murphy, who's our, um, you know, covers the North Carolina delegation in Congress, like I'd asked about. And he said there hasn't been an update on, like, how that cares money um, if the states will have flexibility. Yeah, and you're seeing a fair number of pieces of legislation on the budget side saying we're going to use, like, coronavirus money to fund community college enrollment growth, which is... 
maybe a little bit of a stretch. And there's a lot of caveats in these legislations that say, you know, if the guidelines allow this, we're going to do this with the money automatically. But if they don't, then, you know, they've got to figure out somewhere else to do it. And I think that's where you start to get budget cuts. And, you know, if we mm -hmm. continue to see revenue drops, there may be budget cuts anyway. So I even if they finish up soon with this, you know. I wonder if teacher money will come up. I mean, I, I think the Republicans just sent out something the other day about how, like, hey, we offered you this, and, you know, that was when we had all this extra money. Now we have, like, negative money. So, you know, you missed your chance. But, again, it's still an election year, and, like, is it's, you know, teacher pay is still an issue. Is there a way to find money somewhere to give them anything, or is this bonus thought? Yeah. I mean, that's Aquatic weed. Kind of Watch that aquatic weed fund. <laughs> <mind Okay>. my, <laughs> it's interesting that you find out, like, how much money is just sitting around for stuff, and, you know, that you, like... I don't know. That was yeah, I didn't know. As much. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a special fund for school bus replacements. I assume school districts just figured that out on their own. But no, the thing is, though, it's like, where's <laughs> what happens if all the buses break down? And like, I, say, yeah. I mean, buses are expensive. Yeah, as I mean, a former uh, education reporter, <laughs> like school Those systems. Buses. Yeah, I mean, they just like they're always hurting for money, and they always want more money from the county, and the county never wants to give it to them. No, well, there's never enough. For <laughs> the county so, never wants, county to, never to, wants to give it to them ever. <laughs> You know, the local government, right? That's like a big argument, like every every spring. That so. was the most epic part of covering Rockingham County, and I'm assuming it's like that everywhere. But oh my gosh, there's one commissioner who's like, I'm not giving money to the schools. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you say, you know, I mean, obviously, or counties, depending on like what they run, but the schools is the biggest thing other than, I guess, the jail and the sheriff. Yeah, and I think you could see a situation, you could see almost a repeat of 2019 where the legislature passes the teacher bonuses basically saying, we're out of money, but we do want to do something for our teachers. And then if Cooper vetoes that like he did last year over the concerns that it's not enough for teachers and he'd like to see more, uh, then that becomes a campaign issue of like, and where's that to money give you coming a bonus. from? Yeah. Right, you know? Yep. All so, right, yeah. well, we're like, <laughs> more possible veto drama ahead to take it back yes. to where we started, you know. So, Colin, who was our headliner of the week winner last time? Be me, be me. I believe it. I think it was mine. Of course it was. Yeah. I don't remember. But I haven't won in a while. Why are you saying, of course? Mine is the know. bar battle. Because it's never me. <laughs> no, I never win. I mean, like, the first week I think I won, and then. Y'all yeah, vote for Daniel's suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> she can win, but the the prize for winning is sitting out the next week. I so would love to sit out. <laughs> that is a great prize. <laughs> Except I have one this week. I'm ready. I have one too. Like so, I have one this week too. I need to cue up my audio. <laughs> okay. Oh, is it this? Is this the Craig Horn quote? Yeah, that's kind of that's a good one. Wait, All right, let's see. I have to vote on it to be able to uh, see who won, so I don't know if that... <laughs> you could be tipping the scales right now. I and know. I think I just did, so let me look, recalculate this in my head. Did um, you vote for me? Did you vote No, so what happened when I... So I, I just tapped Sweet Potato Commission, basically <laughs> voting for my own, um, because it's the only way I can um, see the results on my phone right now. Wasn't uh -huh. Sweet Potato me? No, that was you. Thank you. Yeah, you. That was you. You did it. You just said that you were surprised I didn't do this. Right? Okay, so I'm the, always Daniel's stealing the your winner work. then. Right? Is yeah. she the winner? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I Sweet potato. Yeah. One week I had one. Yeah, but it is a now with thirty point four percent with bar battle. Wait, what? What was my one? Bar battle, like the battle over bar. Yeah, that one was mine. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it live. Um, wait, what was mine? I had that reference. Yeah. <laughs> we also know? had Cooper Smile, that was you, oh. in second or third place, depending on how you calculate a tie, and 
In the oh, anti ice cream? No, no love for ice cream? Come on, people. Only yeah, for- yeah, we need to explain more of like the ice cream factor. All right, we'll be back with Headliner of the Week. All right, and so since Danielle's Sweet Potato Commission won uh, the Under the Dome poll, uh, last time for Headliner of the Week, she sits out this week since uh, in the excitement yeah. of Twitter technology, you can only have four poll yeah. questions. Side note, we're on the topic of Sweet Potato Commission. Uh, Senator Brent Jackson, the big uh, agriculture chair in the uh, Senate, mm-hmm. came up to me this week to comment on that uh, debate, and he said the sweet potato written as one word is something that was directly requested by the farmers. He doesn't understand it, but he always wants to support the farmers. Yeah, he wouldn't weigh into that, because I was yeah. standing there, too, and we asked him yeah. about it, and it was very... Um, wasn't it, like, the national yeah. sweet potato, too? Yeah. 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 I felt like he leaned team one word. I really did, in that conversation. Probably yeah. like, a little bit, maybe. Yeah. I think he did. But I he, think he's team he one say word. it, though? Because what if like, other farmers want to? But it could be he's t- team one word because he likes the historical accuracy of it. Or maybe he was defensive of team one word. (laughs) Okay, so this week, (laughs) my uh, mind, as we were talking about point of personal privilege, um, so I was off two days this week because of my son's birthday, but also it was um, end of school year stuff. And uh, my son's school did a, um, the wave parade. And I've seen other people do that with graduations and stuff. And that is actually poignant waving at the teachers and seeing them. And one of them said, oh, I heard you on TV asking the governor a question, which was hilarious. You're so <laughs> Anyway, so I'm going to say end of year wave parades. That's my headliner of the week. Any parents out there know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, well, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to go for criminal justice reform. That's kind of what I was focused on this week, um, hence why I have been quiet for the rest of this podcast. Sorry, no. I mean, you talk well. Talking about <laughs> you know, overrides and bar bills and stuff. Um, but there's actually a lot of action on the criminal justice reform front right now, um, be, really because of these George Floyd protests. Um, you know, you've seen cities like Raleigh say that they're going to be reviewing a lot of their policies on use of force and tear gas and chokeholds and things like that. Um, and then the legislature uh, last year, like basically a year ago, I think one of the bills was 10 or 11 months old. Uh, the Senate passed two uh, pretty sweeping criminal justice reform bills, um, but then they both just died in the House. Um, but then on Tuesday, uh, the House took uh, one of them up uh, that had like you know, both like the Koch brothers funded Americans mm-hmm. for Prosperity and the super liberal NC Justice Center were like singing kubaya together about this. They, you know, sent their representatives to Senator Danny Britt's press conference on it. And basically what it would do is create um, what everyone is saying would be the nation's most comprehensive reforms for like people being able to get their criminal records expunged, yeah. uh, which, you know, is going to help you. Uh, kind of get back on your feet uh, if you are, you know, if you have a criminal record, it can be really hard to get a job, get an apartment, get a loan to start your own business, things like that. And so this would help people kind of along with that. So they call it both a jobs bill and a criminal justice reform bill. And then next week, uh, we are going to see a sentencing reform bill for uh, drug crimes to kind of let judges go around mandatory minimums in some cases. Um, and so there's things that have kind of been pushed by the left a lot, but are starting to uh, be more accepted on the, the right as well. The past yeah. couple of years, I guess, they've been, I mean, there's the federal one, right, that, that Trump signed that, that helps them. And, um, I mean, raise the age here was, you know, 
what, for, for years, people trying to push that, right? It was just Yeah, we were the last state in the country to mm-hmm. stop charging uh, 16-year-olds as adults for any crime. Yeah. Um, so we are, you know, a little late to the game in some aspects of reform. Um, but, you know, uh, better late than never, I think advocates would say. Right. <laughs> All right, so criminal justice reform? Or Second Chance Act, however we want to call first it. First up, Second Chance. I get them so confused. Just when I'm call it the criminal justice reform. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. both the first or, thing the Or second. record expungements. Uh, you know, I looked yeah. up the difference between expungement and expunctions when I was in that committee meeting. You know, <laughs> the difference there. Because people use like both, you know, yeah. when they are talking about it. As a journalist, it, so. nothing frustrates me more than an expungement because people always called me and was like, take that thing off the website. And I'm like, I don't have any proof that this has been expunged. Like, I have nothing. Right. Because there's no proof. Hmm. You're welcome. Well, that'll change. <laughs> All right, Colin, who's your All right, headliner? I'm going with COVID 1 through 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a thing, but it came up this week in committee. So uh, the House Health Committee was getting a presentation from uh, DHHS Secretary Mandy Cohen about coronavirus, um, and she was getting a lot of questions about you know the science behind it and you know the state's overall strategy. Um, and there was a sort of eyebrow-raising comment from Representative Wayne Sasser, who's a Republican from Stanley County and also a pharmacist, who made a comment about, you know, hey, we don't have vaccines for COVID-1 through 18. And I guess it's the concern he had was, like, what if we don't have a vaccine for COVID-19? But everyone else was like, wait a minute, there's no such thing as COVID-1 through 18 because COVID-19 is a reference to 2019, the year that corona- <laughs> this particular coronavirus was discovered. And uh, there, there's some backlash to that comment or in support of him saying there were other coronaviruses that he was referring to. I don't think the science <laughs> actually not. bears that out. No. Um, but there for, are other coronaviruses. Yeah, but there's no one through 18. I just thought I'd put that out. We all do know there's other coronaviruses, yeah. just not one through 18. Yeah. No. So for, you know, giving a little levity to a, you know, very, you know, intense meeting about very important topic. Uh, COVID one through eighteen is my pick. Well, I am going to re up something that I entered a few weeks ago, which was wow. bad data portal. <laughs> um, DHHS's data portal still sucks. I don't know how long ago it was that I made that my headliner of the week, but this week they um, let people. They're letting people export the workbook which basically is just two extra steps to get it into a CSV instead of exporting it as a PDF and then importing it into an Excel. Um, So they are sort of saying like, yay, we did this. Yay, we're transparent. But really, it's equally as much of a pain. So I don't know if that's breaking the rules, but bad data portal, DHHS. For people that work on data and want to use the numbers, I guess, right? Yes. (laughs) As opposed to the... The just go on to check it out. I think yeah. people might like the website for just give Lucille the CSV files and yeah. you'll stop being yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will it's say that the, the NNO data portal for coronavirus stuff is way more interesting than the HHS one, so we will just put in a link and let us do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there are. Uh, That'll go out when we tweet our um, podcast and the questions at Under the Dome whenever Colin gets around to tweeting that. <laughs> Hopefully by the time you hear this. Uh, all right. So um, I'm Don Vaughn for Will Doran, Colin Campbell, Lucille Sherman, Danielle Battaglia. See you next time. 
You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the daily print edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.